0: Welcome to today's episode my name is Zaya, and I will be hosting today's episode on how to invest so in today's episode, we would like to acknowledge that we are recording this episode from the traditional ancestral and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. We recognize that you may be joining us from lands near or far, and we encourage you to learn about the traditional owners and caretakers of those lands. Now. The topic of today's episode is learning how to invest. Now, before I introduce our special guest, I would like to do a disclaimer on this episode. So this episode focuses on general information to help guide students on how to start investing. This episode does not provide any advice about what to invest in. Now, we will dive into how you can start your investing journey with the help of our special guest today, Cindy Hoop. Cindy, thank you for joining us today. Would you like to enlighten us about yourself and what you're currently doing?
1: Sure. Thank you, Zara, for the introduction and I'm delighted to be here today. My name is Cindy and I am an Associate Portfolio Manager at RBC Dominion Securities in Vancouver here. In this role, I support decision-making in managing client investments. And my typical day would focus on fundamental equity analysis and also macroeconomic analysis. I also communicate with clients to address any questions or concerns they may have and provide them with financial advice where needed. As a background quickly, I graduated um, almost 10 years ago from UBC Solder School of Business with a specialization in finance. And I'm also a CFA charter holder, um, which is Chartered Financial Analyst Charter Holder and currently sit on the board of the CFA Society of Vancouver.
0: Perfect. So Cindy, how long have you been investing for them? Has it been before Um, your UBC days?
1: No, definitely not before my UBC days. Um, I had some seeds planted early on uh, through my mom. She used to be a doctor before, but from when I remember things, she stayed home and traded stocks. And I say traded stocks now in hindsight because she went by the principle of buy low, sell high with very little knowledge of the companies themselves. And sometimes she would average costs down in a stock, but never actually got the chance to sell high. So even back then, I had always wondered, what do these prices mean and what do these charts mean? And how do we know which ones will go down, which ones that have gone down will actually go back up and which ones that go up will not go down. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how the seed got planted early on. But I really started in solder.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Now we're going to probably dive into the bulk of our episode now, which is going to consist on questions of specifically how we can start investing. So, One general question that many people have is, what can you invest your money in? So I know there are a couple of things like stocks, bonds, GICs. Could you explain what those are and what some similarities and differences would be between them? Sure.
1: Um, Generally, investments are categorized into three asset classes, equities, fixed income and alternatives. Um, First of all, equities. They're stocks and would also include funds like exchange traded funds and mutual funds that are comprised of stocks. By purchasing a share of a company or its stock, you're basically owning a slice of the business. Over the long term, stocks generate great unlevered returns, um, but there's volatility, even in the most stable stocks. If you have a small amount of funds to be invested, um, exchange traded funds or ETFs, such as XSP, which replicates the S&P 500 index can be a great instrument to getting and participate in the future of the 500 largest US publicly traded companies. And they're largest be probably because they're successful businesses. Um, that way you can achieve diversification and liquidity without too much trading cost. And then the next category is fixed income. And these are products that pay interest on a scheduled basis and you receive the principal back at the end of the contracted term. So this includes government bonds, corporate bonds, GICs. They're generally stable and give you predictable cash flows. So for example, if you have $5,000 to be used for your tuition in in, in a year's time, you can buy a GIC with a one year maturity at say an interest rate of uh, 4%. So one year later, when the GIC matures, you will get your principal of $5,000 back, plus $200 of interest. That's the 4% on the 5,000. And then lastly, the alternatives category include mostly less liquid investments, such as private equity, venture capital and real assets. The lack of liquidity is a disadvantage, but if the fund is well managed, the return can also be as great as equities. Home ownership is actually a form of alternative investment as well. That's real asset. Um, Private equity and venture capital are generally higher risk investing in early stage businesses before they're developed enough to be publicly traded for general investors.
0: Thank you. Now, I know that a lot of people believe that uh, stocks are very risky, or investing is risky, it's kind of putting your money on the line, would you say yes, would you agree to that?
1: I think first of all is how you define risk. Um, When it comes to investing, we define risk as permanent loss of capital. Um, But in in the market, a lot lot of people define risk as volatility, so I think um, it ties into the question of how, how you will use your money, what is the time horizon for your money. If you have a long term horizon, you don't need to use the money in the short term, then you can write out any volatility in the market, which means volatility wouldn't be considered a risk. The risk would be if you had to take out the money and use it for something else during a down market that would be realizing the losses. Um, so how we define permanent loss of capital is investing in a company that essentially goes bankrupt. So the stock goes down and it will never come, up, come back up. So we, we define that as um, risk.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that definitely clears a lot of things up for that. And then if we like go specifically into stocks then, um, where can you buy and sell these stocks?
1: Um, Logistically, you just need to open investment accounts with your bank like RBC Direct Investing or TD Waterhouse. There are also other online platforms like Interactive Broker, where you can open accounts and place trades at lower cost actually per trade than the banks can offer. Um, And also for students, for example, I would recommend looking into opening a TFSA account, which is a government registered account type so that the returns you make in the account won't be taxed, uh, whether it's interest or capital gains, so that your returns can be fully compounded over the long term.
0: Okay, so can any student open a TSFA account? Is there a minimum that we have to put down to be able to open one? No, there's in fact a maximum you can
1: put in (laughs) because (laughs) there's a tax shelter, so the government doesn't want um, all your money to be tax sheltered when it comes to investing. So there's a maximum. And you can go to the bank and consult um, the banking staff. Um, there are some limitations in terms of your status, like you have to be a Canadian or permanent resident, um, and you can only open it after 18, uh, after you turn 18. So the how much room you can contribute um, is limited. So you have to check uh, with the banking staff when you open it.
0: Perfect, might as go, well will start one now. <laughs> yeah. So now that I've invested my money, how do I know when to take it out? And how do I know how, how much I can take out and where can I put that money once I've taken it out? Um,
1: so that comes back to the question of time horizon. Um, you can technically be invested forever and the money can go to your grandchildren and their grandchildren. The question really is to ask yourself, what is the time horizon for this money? So if you don't anticipate the need to spend this money, uh, your time horizon is very long and you can invest in equities and ride out any volatilities in the market, um, including the direst financial crisis. But if you have to pay for tuition next year, then it's better if your principal and is protected so that the money is there when you need them. So I don't recommend taking out investments um, if you're thinking about uh, timing the market. Uh, That's generally not a good idea because equity markets usually go up 90% of the time. Hindsight always seems so easy to sell high and buy back low, but in reality it's not. Um, And no manager have done that consistently over the history. It's because our emotions can always get in the way And the market can be irrational for longer than we anticipate. So I would not recommend timing the market. And also in terms of how much you can take out, in my opinion, maybe the more important aspect for students is on budgeting for spending because you're probably spending more than you earn. And there are many different approaches out there to spending. And it's very subjective, depending on the individual culture and family situation. But my recommendation would be to lean towards conservatism and have a mind for saving so that you can save up um, for investing.
0: Perfect. So what I've noticed is a lot of things really just depend on what you are looking for to get out of investing. So is there a place or like a website where I could go and that can kind of tell me what's good personally,
1: for me? Um, No, not really. Uh, That is why we have this portfolio um, management industry. And it's because everybody's situation is different. And there are so many different styles and strategies to investments. So it really depends on you and the manager, whether you have a good fit or not. So if you go to the bank, there are grid lines that um, the, the banks put out to put you into the grid of on the scale of, on the one side, risk tolerance, how, how okay are you with higher risk or lower risk? And then on the other side, return objectives. So the higher your return objectives and the higher your risk tolerance, the more um, higher risk the category they will put you into, and the bank will um, in, the bank can advise you or invest your money into a portfolio of funds um, that would include fixed income and equities, maybe Canadian, maybe on a global scale. So that is a framework that is often used in the retail bank um, to just help clients in the most simple way in terms of um, helping them invest.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Now I'm going to just take a moment to ask you what skills and achievements do you think you have made that make you successful with investing?
1: I think investing is um, both an art and a science. The art part includes having both business sense and people sense. Being observant, receptive, curious, open-minded and eager to learn can help develop those. And then learning is also very multidimensional. I found synergy between my learnings on the job and learnings in life, leverageable both ways. So having critical thinking skills, being able to reflect, think outside of the box and connect, connect pieces is very important. Then the science part of it is professional knowledge like accounting, finance and mathematical skills. Numbers may not tell the whole story, but they paint a very good picture of the fundamentals. So that's very important in analyzing businesses.
0: Perfect. So following up with that, looking back, what would you have done differently when starting off?
1: I've mentioned some of the aptitudes and skills that have helped me in my investing career. I actually didn't have all of them when I started, and even now it's still work in progress. Um, There is a lot of knowledge and experience involved in good decision making. And when I think back, my scope was just too narrow when I was a student or in the first few years following graduation. I dug deep into the companies, um, maybe even a little too much into the nuances um, and focused a little too much on the numbers, but I missed the big picture sometimes and didn't have enough reference points in my head to make good judgments on things like, is this industry really such a good industry to invest in? Or is this management team great, or are they just lucky? So in hindsight, um, there were instances where I was too naively confident. So I would have told myself probably to have more of an open mind earlier on, have less conviction in, in things when my knowledge base was smaller and I would have told myself to expand my knowledge base quickly um, through reading, through asking questions and seeking answers rather than always feeling like
0: I have the answer. So one last question I'd like to ask you is that are there any basic rules of thumbs that you find helpful in investing
1: Yeah, there can be so many rules of thumbs because the scope is so broad and investment styles and strategies can vary differently and also depending on how technical you want to get. Um, But maybe I can share a few rules and advice that I think might be relevant to students. Uh, First of all, taking a step back to just know your priorities as a student, which I think at this stage would be in your studies, building professional knowledge and skills in your respective fields. And then leave maybe some of the other areas to professionals who specializing it, including investing. And when it comes to investing, remember the power of compounding. There is a rule of 72, which states that if you divide 72 by the compound annual growth rate you expect to get, you'll get the number of years it would take you to double your investments. So if you invested in the S&P 500 index, the long-term compound annual growth rate is, let's say, 10%. Your money will double in seven years, which is 72 divided by 10, roughly 7.2 years. So if you're early in your life stages, you have a long way to go and you have many years to double and quadruple your investments. The second thing is to invest in things you can understand. So collecting data from life, the companies you know as a consumer, things such as Apple, Microsoft, Google and our local um, consumer brand names like Aritzia, Lululemon, you can do the research in them. Um, if it's a, if the company is too convoluted for you to understand, it's okay to miss it. And then lastly, um, to understand and limit risk, always leave buffer for things um, if, it, if things go wrong, especially when it comes to borrowing, knowing what the risks are, think about how much downside there is and what are the probabilities of the worst situation occurring. Generally, don't live on the edge. Don't make big bets and especially don't do that with borrowed money.
0: Thank you so much, Cindy. We're now going to end this podcast. So uh, lastly, I would like to thank you for joining us on today's episode. Um, We know that we can find you on LinkedIn, but um, hopefully you enjoyed our podcast today and it was a delight to have you. Thank you as well, Zaya. If you liked today's episode, take a look at the rest of our Student Skills series with the 2MS Podcast on Spotify. And if you'd like to stay up to date with future episodes, follow us on Instagram at UBCSAC. See you next time.